Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Well, you do have 14 more days to Christmas. 14 days. Does it seem like Christmas comes every two months now? Kids say no. You know, there's three kinds of gifts given at Christmas. There's the gift for a gift gift. Say that with a gift for a gift gift. Yeah. What do you say? What is that? Well, you get a gift from somebody you were not planning to get a gift for. But now that they've given you a gift, you figure out how much their gift costs, and you go to Walmart and you buy a gift of similar price, and then you act like you'd planned it. That's a gift for a gift gift. You'll probably get some of those this Christmas. Then there's the gift for a favor gift. This is when a person gives a gift, not expecting a gift in return, but they do expect some kind of favor down the road. Remember, I gave you that. Then there's the grace gift. This grace gift is unrepayable. It's the gift that comes for no other reason but the love of the giver. It's giving you something you could never get on your own. That's the kind of gift Christmas is all about. Paul calls it the indescribable gift, who is himself Jesus Christ. I asked the Lord, how do you preach the Christmas story that hadn't been preached a thousand times before? Most of the time in this season, you've heard it all. You've seen it all. You've experienced it all. And so I asked the Lord, how do you, how do you preach this? And the Lord said one word to me, John. Now there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke have the Christmas story. Mark and John just start with the Gospel. But John, as amazing as I began to see, I said, Lord, how do I see the Christmas story in John? You see, in John's account of the Christmas story, there's no Joseph, there's no Mary, no Bethlehem, no manger. No stable, no shepherds, no wise men, no star, no angels, and really no infant, no baby. But his is none the less. And it's not any less of the Christmas story than all the others. John's gospel starts with the revelation of Christmas. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John, the gospel of John. We're going to start with chapter 1 and verse 1. John 1, 1. The revelation of Christmas. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now look at verse 14. And this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Not because of the physical features of a stable or a manger or a star or a young couple or shepherds or wise men. They all participate, of course, but that's the physical historical features of the birth of Christ. But the real Story is the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. 
Have you ever wished John would have just said Jesus? In the beginning was Jesus. Why the word? The term in the Greek is logos. Very prominent word in scripture, logos. And it's loaded with meaning. And it's interesting... There's no explanation of it. And people have argued about this and there's all these kind of things about whether what this John was trying to say. But uh, usually when a term is used in Scripture and it's not explained, we can assume that those who heard it didn't need an explanation. The Greeks or the world, as it was called at that time, would, would read these words and, and they would completely understand what John was attempting to say. You see, in Greek philosophy, the word logos was used also, but it was used as a title given to the creative force, the, the ordering intelligence of a mind of the universe. It was impersonal or non-personal. It was the impersonal force of reason, order and, and intelligence that created everything is the way they would have seen it. It would be very much like what was popularly known today as intelligent design. And they would say this to you. Yes, there's a higher power and some higher power created all of this and orders our world. But we could never know it. What John is saying is that this Logos is not an impersonal power. He's not some kind of floating power principle of reason that creates this logos is a person this logos came into the world in flesh and blood and in the life of Jesus Christ to the jew the word logos had even more was even more meaningful you see to the jews the word of the lord came saying it's a very familiar phrase in the old testament in the torah You'll read it many times. The word of the Lord came saying, or the word of the Lord came to the prophet, or the word of the Lord came to Moses. The word of the Lord was simply God revealing Himself, His person, His nature, His will, His wisdom, His truth, His message. The word of the Lord was the expression, the disclosure of the personal God, the true and living Yahweh, the I am that I am. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says it. says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. John is saying that this revelation of God, this disclosure of God, this manifestation of God has now come in the flesh in human form. I love Oswald Chambers and I found this. He says, Jesus Christ was born into this world, not from it. He did not emerge out of history. He came into history from eternity. Jesus Christ is not the best human being the human race can boast of. He is a being for whom the human race can take no credit at all. He's not man becoming God, but God Himself becoming man. 
And in these verses, John gives us three lines of revelation, uh, three realities of this declaration, or the three truths that will help us grasp the divine reality of Jesus. You see, the thing about we celebrate Christmas every year, and we get all caught up in the chaos of Christmas, and how many times do we miss who came? The reality, the true meaning. You see, Jesus wasn't just a baby born. In John's gospel, he was this word, this revelation. Three things. First of all, it showed John's in these words, shown the preexistence of Jesus. In the beginning was the word, in arche, in hologos. Literally, the words mean the time before creation. In the time before creation, He was, the Logos was, was the Logos, or is the Logos. This speaks of the pre-existence of Jesus. This is the same idea as in Genesis chapter 1 when it says, In the beginning, God. Before there was creation, God. It speaks of the eternality of Jesus. Not timelessness, the eternality of Jesus. Before everything that exists came into existence, the Word was the Logos, the Revelation, the Son. In fact, verse 2 says it, He was in the beginning already with God. When the beginning began, Jesus was already existing. Not only is He pre-existent, but it also shows that He's co-existent. The word was God. Theos in Hologos. Literally, God was this word. Theos, God. In is in, or I am being. The, or this, Logos, this word. The word is not an attribute of God. It's not an emanation, an outviewing of God. The word is not a creation of God. The Word is a person with God and a person who was God. That's the heart of the Christmas story. The one who came into this world is God Himself. God the Son, who was eternally with God before anything existed, pre-existed and co-existed with God. That's the Jesus of Christmas. Not only was he pre-existent and co-existence with God, but he was himself self-existent. Verse 3, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Everything that exists, everything that exists, he made. It all came from him. Without him nothing was made. That word nothing means not one thing. Not one thing exists that he did not originate. He didn't come from anyone or anything. That's the literal Greek. Not one thing exists that he didn't make. The creator of everything that exists. If that's right, if he's the creator of everything that exists, and he was before everything existed, then it must be, he must, it, it's just logical, then he was uncreated. If he made everything that exists, then nothing that exists made him. 
self-existent. Here's the Christmas story. The pre-existing Jesus, the co-existing Jesus, the co-existing Son, and the self-existing Creator came. And look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, John says, beheld with our own eyes His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love the message. It says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Listen to me. The Jesus who came was not just the best man which ever lived. He was deity who entered creation and lived the life of a human. Jesus, though pre-existing, co-existing, self-existing, though God, was remarkably just like every one of us. What does that mean? Jesus was born the way you were born. Live the way you lived in experiencing in a world that you're experiencing on this earth. He was totally human. Now, I just talked about his pre-existence, his co-existence, his self-existence. Think of that one. That one who made everything downsized to the confines of a human womb. A single fertilized egg, barely visible an egg that would divide and redivide until a baby took shape, growing inside a nervous teenager's womb. God. <laughs> the, old, the all-powerful one who called all things into existence by the word of His power became a helpless baby who could not speak and had to be fed, nursed, burped, and changed. One who had to depend on a teenager for shelter, food, and love. That was the pre-existing, co-existing, self-existent God. Why? Jesus was born so that He might share fully our humanity. God entered this world the same way every one of us as a baby. He grew to be a child. He was a teenager. He was a young man. He was a full-grown son. He became one of us in every way. Hebrews 4.15 in the message says, We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. God came as a baby in order to deal with the same fears, challenges, and trials we deal with and conquer them. God's felt what we feel. He got down at eye level and in the flesh experienced what it's like to be tired and frustrated. He knows what it's like to hurt and to bleed. He knows what it feels like to be wrongly accused, abandoned, and rejected. He also knows what it's like to walk in conscious dependence upon the Father. Dick Foth says it. He said, speaking of Jesus, He came to our place. He took our place. Now He invites us back to His place. Hebrews 2.14, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. And here's why. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. 
who had the power of death. At the beginning, I talked about the chaos. We have no reason to be in chaos today. We have every reason to be living in the Prince of Peace, no matter what's going on in the world, because He came. He lived. He died, conquered death and sin, and rose again, and now He lives right now in the reality of God's presence and in the reality of your spirit, if you know Him. Christmas is not about the shepherds, the manger, the stable, Joseph and Mary. Lots of people believe in the manger. They believe in the shepherds, the wise men, and the angel choir. The question is, do you believe in this Word? Do you believe in this Jesus who was born the revelation of the Father? That's the real question. Every Christmas. It's not what are you going to get for Christmas, but what you got for Christmas. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 says, Though He was God, speaking of Jesus, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. He abandoned himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God has elevated him to be in the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God the Father. John 20 verse 31 says this. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And that believing you may have life in His name. Let me close with a story. Say, preacher, you through? Nope. Let me close with a story. The story of a very wealthy family, a very wealthy man who shared a passion for fine art with his son. He raised his son in that same passion. And they had collected priceless works of Picasso and Van Gogh and adorning the walls of the family estate. And everyone who came was in awe of seeing the the amazing artwork that filled that estate and and they, that son and that father could tell them all about the beauty and the, 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 the reality of, of the artists. And then suddenly, in the period of time, a war engulfed the nation and the young man left home to serve his country. And after only a few, a few short weeks, the father received word that his son had been killed. Distraught and lonely, the old man just kind of withdrew from everything and he just felt so abandoned and alone and especially during the christmas season and christmas he would face with anguish and sadness the joy of the season vanished with the death of his son but on one christmas morning there was a knock at the door the old man opened the door to be greeted by a soldier 
with a large package in his hands. The soldier introduced himself and says, I was a friend of your son and I was the one, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in? I have something to show you. The soldier explained about his relationship with the son and how they too, he too was interested in art and how the son and he would just spend the nights in the foxholes talking about the art and the beauty of life in the world. The soldier explained this package was for the old man. The paper, he said, please open it. And the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world wouldn't ever consider it a work of genius, the painting featured this young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the old man hung the... He just moved everything away from the the mantel place and he placed the picture of his son in the center. The soldier walked out as the old man sat there overcome with emotion. Aside from the power of the presence of the invite was the sight of his son. The old man sat in the chair gazing at the gift that he had been given. Time passed on. The following spring, the old man died. The art world uh, waited with anticipation as it was announced that his estate would be auctioned off and they could imagine all the things that was going to be sold. And according to the will of the old man, the art works would be auctioned off on Christmas Day. In other words, if you're going to come to bid on the art, you're going to have to make other arrangements for your own Christmas. The day arrived and art collectors from all around the world gathered to bid. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bidding for the hundred dollars? No one spoke. And finally, kind of out of the crowd from the back, somebody said, Who cares about this painting? Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, No, we have to sell this one first. Now, who will take the son? Nobody said anything. And finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. I knew the boy, he said, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. He struck the gavel on the desk. Cheers filled the room. And you could hear somebody say, now we'll get to the bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked to the room filled with people and announced that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up. What do, you, what do you mean it's over? That's not fair. There's millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. Romans 8.32 says, If God so loved us and delivered His Son up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? Whoever takes the Son... 
gets it all. That's what Christmas is about. Everybody these days wants a word from God. Don't you want a word from God? God, if you'll just speak, listen to me. God has a word for you this morning. His name is Jesus. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Do you believe? Will you receive that word? Will you believe, lay the whole weight of your life upon Him and receive, readily take it to the very life of Jesus into the center of your being? Here's a prayer you could pray. Jesus, You are the Son of God, the revelation of the Father. You lived a fully human life without sin and that You might die a sacrifice for all humanity's sin. You were raised from that death to give life to all who would trust and receive You. I receive you, Jesus, into my life as my Lord, as my Savior. Amen. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. Would you stand together with me? Father, thank you for the unspeakable, the indescribable gift that you gave us that day in Bethlehem. It's the power of our life. It's the price of our sin. And He's alive in us to live. Father, I pray that you would, in this season, remind us of your word the revelation that we might experience you the greatest gift of all. Because whoever gets the Son gets it all. I receive you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God is worthy of it all because He gave it all. He spoke a word that left eternity and came to earth to give this us the possibility that are on earth to leave here and go to eternity to spend with him. He is worthy of it all. Amen? Amen. A couple of quick announcements for you. Um, ladies, your Christmas or holiday social breakfast is going to be on this Saturday, December 17th at 9 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. We have something special this year. We're going to do a Christmas Eve service. It's on Christmas Eve. We did that for you. Um, it's going to be that night from 7 to 8. It's going to be a family worship service. And there's a rumor that there might be snacks afterwards. So be prepared for that. Then Christmas Day, something a little bit different. You who come to the second service will get to join us in the first service. We're only going to do one. It's going to be a family service. It's going to be at 9 o'clock in the morning. So Christmas Day, join us here at 9 a.m. We'll get through in plenty of time for you to get back and go do Christmas lunch with your family. Both services, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, will be family worship services. So everybody's going to be in here with us. It's going to be a good time. Come early. You're going to need a seat. Common Ground is going to be closed on the 23rd and 30th. And lastly, I'd like for you to uh, join me in prayer for a local family. 
Last night, uh, uh, Pat Morin uh, was killed while he was working, recovering a car with his record service. And I just want us to lift up his family. He has two daughters. He has a wife. And uh, we want to lift them up. Father God, thank you. You did send your son for us. And Lord, I thank you that there is life available through you. So Lord, I just ask that you would send people and your spirit to Pat's family through this holiday season to speak life into them. Lord, we lift them up. We put him in your hands. We put his family in your hands. So we know that the only way that peace will come in the midst of this chaos is by the presence of your spirit. So Lord, I just ask an extra covering on them and their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Enjoy your afternoon together, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 